Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I am joined today by Spartan racer Lily Elkin. I wanted to get Lily on today to share her story because it is a story I think almost everyone can relate to and everyone can learn from. So whether you're an athlete, a clinician, or a coach, I think you'll find this conversation highly valuable. So let's tune in. Lily, thank you for joining me today. How are you? I am great. Thank you so much for having me. How are you? I'm awesome. It's a morning. I live mornings, so I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I'm still waking up, but I like, I tend to like mornings too when I get enough sleep. So <laughs> one minor detail, right? Well, I'm excited to get you on here. You've had quite an injury journey over the past, what, year and a half now that we're going on. So I would, I just want to have you share your story because I know so many people just deal with injuries and don't know what to do about them and get so frustrated. So I just want to get your story from the athlete perspective and uh, we'll just kind of go from there. So who are you first and foremost? Okay. So my name is Lily Elkin. I am going to be 21 on Monday, February 8th, um, I've been running Spartan race for probably since 2017. So that's what, like go with, this is my fourth season. Uh, I've been seriously running it for about three seasons now. Um, I'm really getting into fitness and the running aspect of all of it just since 2018. I was still trying to figure out everything in 2017. And then I kind of started to get stuff ironed out in 2018. Um, but yeah, I run, Spartan racing, I'm trying to get more involved in obstacle course racing as a sport, just kind of branch out over the next couple of years and see, you know, how the different obstacles affect me, the different terrain, the different types. Um, I'm going to school for nutrition therapy right now and getting my certification in personal training. And so that brings us, I guess, to the injury aspect. Um, so 2019, I was running the national series circuit in age group in female 18 to 24. And 2019 was the last year that I was planning on running age group. I uh, moved to the elite division at the end of 2019 in November. Um, but before that, we had the North American championships in West Virginia in August. And that was the the beast link. So that was about a half marathon and it was a pretty hilly course. And I was coming down off of this obstacle called the Tyrolean Traverse, which is that thing where, you know, you hang upside down and you kind of shimmy along a rope and then you ring a bell and you're done. Um, but it was a pretty steep descent coming off of that. And I had run an ultra marathon. I had run a, um, a 50 K a few weeks before that in Colorado which I didn't train for properly. So I'm, I think that was part of what um, contributed to the injury is that I was just already so fatigued. Like my body was just kind of run down and I probably trained too soon after the ultra. Um, and I have weak ankles to begin with. I was told when I was young that, you know, I uh, need to be doing exercises cause I have just really super flexible ankles. Um, but yeah. Anyway, when I was coming down this descent, I just totally my ankle just totally gave out my left ankle and it just collapsed. I, like I heard a pop, um, but I didn't really think anything of it because I'd fallen down a lot in races prior just because that's, you know, what happens when you're on uneven terrain and it hadn't really affected me before that. So I just finished running my race and I kind of limped for a little bit and then I was fine. And um, 
then I woke up the next morning and we had two more races that day, but my right ankle was hurting for some reason. I think it's because I was overcompensating for the rest of the race. And I was like probably pounding way too hard on that one. Um, so that was kind of swollen and then it was just really back and forth and then it like went away and I was, I kind of had issues off and on, um, after that, but it wasn't like severe and I had to train for world championships and for the race after that in November when I switched to elite. So, um, you know, I just kind of put it out of the back of my mind. I was like, no, it's fine. Like, it's just sore, you know, it just hurts. And then I was in, um, I was in Arizona with my boyfriend. We were trail running in December of 2019 and I came around the corner again and kind of stepped on a rock and it twisted really bad. And then that's like when it just did not get better. And I went to go see a physical therapist and a doctor was like, Hey, you know, what do you think this is? And they thought that it was like just tendonitis. They thought that it was just, you know, that chronic inflammation, the tendons just super stressed. Um, and they were like, you should be able to compete in Jacksonville in 2020 in February. And, you know, if you do the physical therapy, so I was doing physical therapy like every day and just trying to get it all sorted out. And I got it to the point where I could run, I could race and it didn't hurt a ton. Like I noticed some pain in the middle of the race, but it wasn't severe enough to stop. And then a few weeks after that, or probably five to six weeks after that, um, you know, before, the pandemic hit, we were trying to get prepared for Seattle before that got canceled in April. Um, and I just, I'd already decided before everything shut down that I wasn't going to be able to do it because it, it just got so painful. And ever since that race after Jacksonville, I've, I like hadn't, I was not able to get it back to 100%. Like I think the most time I ran was like maybe three-ish weeks in like June and then June, uh, July 4th, um, I did like a seven ish mile run and I was limping like the last 15 minutes. Like I was like, something's definitely wrong. There was just tightness in my calf. It was, my ankle was hurting so bad. It was just, it was just everywhere. And so all summer and all fall, I tried to go see these doctors and had these appointments and stuff. And the first people that I saw just seemed almost like reluctant to work with me for some reason. They just weren't scheduling appointments. Like they weren't getting back with me and their appointments were super short. Um, and I feel like they weren't really like listening to everything that I was dealing with. They were just kind of like letting me talk for a few sentences and then being like, oh, I think this is what it is. Um, so that was kind of frustrating. And then, so I got a second opinion and within like two or three appointments and like an MRI and an ultrasound, they were like, oh, I think you need surgery. So we got surgery and they found out what was wrong with it. And it was just um, that bone that had broken off, something called the os trigonum, which was just something that hadn't completely fused when I was, you know, younger, I guess. It just never completely closed off. So it was kind of delicate to begin with and just something jarring it, kind of that impact of falling in August 2019 in West Virginia. It uh, broke off. And, um, it's just been, have been rattling around in there ever since then. And then they also found that there was a muscle belly that was rubbing against a tendon sheath that was super, super tight in my heel. And it was also causing inflammation and rubbing. So they elevated that and kind of removed part of that muscle. They removed the bone and that is kind of the end of that. Ever since then, it's been recovery and, I've probably gone through, you know, the stages of grief over the last year, just 
wondering if I was going to get to continue my career and just wondering what was going on. You know, I know that a lot of athletes do deal with injury, especially in the OCR world, just because of how aggressive it is on your body and just the various types of training. You know, it's not just, I know street running is hard, but it's not like street running isn't trail running. Street running isn't obstacle course racing and stuff. You know, it's like you're putting your body through all of these different tests and you're always on different terrain. And it's like, it's a very aggressive sport. So I knew, you know, looking at the pros and stuff, um, injury was inevitable, but I, it just, just, it kind of concerned me that I couldn't figure out what it was kind of just that unknown factor, I think is what freaked me out the most while I was trying to figure out if I needed surgery or not. And then there was like a sense of peace when I realized that I didn't need surgery. And then I kind of have been going through a lot of emotions since then, like, you know, wondering if I'm doing too much, not enough for recovery, just, you know, it's a lot of, I think the biggest thing that I've been trying to work on is the mental aspect of it. And just trying to have that confidence in myself being like, you know, just doing what the doctors told me to do and resting when I need to rest. If it's feeling off, like don't push it. So that's my whole journey. And I think that it just, you know, from the question you're asking, what, what I've done from an athletic perspective is just been trying to work on my confidence, which I'm still, you know, struggling with. I'm not 100% there yet, especially with how new I am to the sport, which I don't really want to rely on that as like an excuse saying, oh, you know, I'm young. So of course I'm going to like freak out or not have as good of, you know, head on my shoulders. I don't really want to say that, but it's been definitely a huge learning curve. It's been a lot of experience that I've gained from this, which I know is going to help me in the future as far as my athletic career, but it's, it's been a lot, but it's been going good overall. So it worked out in the end. Awesome. Now I know since you are an athlete, you definitely have not stopped training just because you're injured and going through this rehab process. Now, when you were dealing with the pain pre-surgery and then also post-surgery, what have you done differently in your training so you can still train, keep your fitness level, but protect what's going on and how, how the body's healing? So before surgery, before I figured out I needed it um, all summer, when, when I couldn't run, I, was, I got a mountain bike in the spring of 2020, and I have been biking predominantly, or I did pre- bike predominantly in 2020. Um, and I could hike and stuff. I could do that. It was just that jarring impact of the running that really affected me the most. Um, so I was also doing more CrossFit type workouts, like, um, hit workouts, almost like rounds, like intense circuits and things like that, like box jumps. I wasn't able to do huge box jumps. Like I couldn't do anything that jarred me a ton. So it was just more like box jump ups, step downs. Um, So that's pretty much what I did was a lot of strength training and, um, biking for cardio. Like there was one day in the summer where, uh, I kind of wanted to challenge myself. So I did like a 50 mile bike day and I was just totally done after that. A lot of, you know, cyclists probably look at that. They're like, I need that for breakfast 50 miles, but I wasn't used to it. So I was like, Oh my gosh. Um, that was pretty exhausting. And then after training or after surgery, excuse me, after surgery, I have been, trying to put my physical therapy first. And then if, you know, my foot's too tired after that, I've kind of been like, okay, I'm going to 
rest and recover and ice and elevate. And that's my, been my training for the day a lot of the time. Um, but I've also been trying aqua jogging off and on when it feels good. And I did get out for a one mile hike this past Sunday um, on some uneven terrain. So we're making headway there as far as getting those muscles strengthened and stuff, um, kind of challenging the proprioceptive aspects of it, um, just getting the balance back. And um, I've been doing a lot of upper body. So that's pretty much what I've been doing as far as training and what I've done differently. And it's just been a lot of patience, I think, just kind of knowing like, oh, we're going to figure this out and it's going to be okay. So it's, it's been difficult to see people running, you know, you scroll through Instagram and you see all these athletes in your sport that are running and do get to do that and are getting ready for Jacksonville next month or this month, I guess it's February now. Um, and it's kind of hard, but I know that I'm going to be back there within the next three months, probably starting to run again. So, yeah. I'm curious because a lot of times when we're coming off of injury and we're getting back to training, it's like you get these like different aches and pains and you have to decipher between them. Is it a good ache because we're just using those muscles again? Is it a bad thing? We're doing damage. How do you go about deciphering between those two as you're adding volume, as you're adding new exercises in? It's been a little difficult. Um, I've definitely had a really good support team that have reassured me that I'm not totally destroying my ankle every time I just try to walk around the house, you know, or just go up out to do upper body. So that's been one of the biggest things I think is having a really good support team to reassure me that I'm doing everything right. Cause they can physically see from the outside what I'm doing and that I'm following instructions and I'm treating my body, you know, gently or as best as I can. And they've kind of told me, you know, when to back off and when to push it. But ultimately it's been down to me, which has been, I think, like I was saying, that's been one of the most challenging parts is to know when to push it and when to not. But usually when it's like more sore than like painful, it feels more like a tight muscle running through the arch of my foot. And it just, it just feels tired. Like after I get done with physical therapy, you know, how if you do a bunch of bicep curls, like your arm just kind of gets shaky and just kind of, oh, like I can't lift any more weights or like I'm super tired. It feels like that, but in the big toe, which is a weird sensation because you never think about your toe being tired. So, but that's been the biggest indicator that it's just a used muscle. And then there have been some days where it just aches in that area where they, where the incision is. And it's just kind of like painful and inflamed. And I think that's more when the tissue is trying to heal itself. So I kind of know when to back off. Like this morning, um, I was kind of walking around the house and it's a little like aching and sore now. So before I do any sort of exercise today, even physical therapy, I'm going to ice and elevate it. And it's just been kind of taking it day by day, like determining what I should do after I get up from icing and elevating. And if I don't feel like it's in good enough shape to like do something, I'll just rest some more and give it a day. And then usually the next day I can do something. So that's been the biggest thing is just, just kind of reading it based off of how I know my body. It's kind of down to knowing your body really well and what sore muscles feel like for you specifically, what, you know, pain feels like. I know it's like generally the same for a lot of people, but it can be hard to decipher. 
Absolutely. And I think I love the explanation you gave, and I think that's very accurate as far as it does just feel like that sore comparing it to the biceps being used. Like that is truly what it feels like when it's just like, it's time to rest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's like, Oh, you need to lay down. <laughs> yeah. How far into your nutrition training are you? I, so I'm on the eighth course out of 10 and each one is 10 weeks. Um, of, of the classes. And then there's two specialty courses at the end, which are like 20 weeks a piece. And there's, so one of them is, um, a business readiness course that kind of just gets you prepared on how to like treat clients the best and how to get them set up for success and how to get you set up as a nutrition therapist for success. And then the last one I think is the, the specialty one where you hone in. So you're like a nutrition therapist that specializes in like sports nutrition or your nutrition therapist that specializes in like gut health, things like that. So they kind of hone in on what, which clients you would predominantly see. Um, so I, I'm going to be graduating spring of 2022 as of right now. That's what it's looking like. Very cool. Well, congrats on that. Thank you. I'm excited. Yes, absolutely. With what you've learned with nutrition, how has that, like, what have you changed or have you changed anything, incorporated anything into this rehab process to help the healing with your injury and surgery? I've, I've really been focusing on the last couple of weeks, um, on eating a lot of nutrient dense meals and, um, just making sure that I'm like hungry when I eat, not like super, super full, you know, you don't want to overtax your body and have it be expending so much energy to try to metabolize all that food. So just wait until you're hungry to eat. Don't overeat or anything like that. And also, um, just not, I haven't been eating like as many sweets. I did have a lot of issues trying to get my diet honed in around the holidays and stuff. Just, you know, I was sitting and I was like, Oh, like I don't have anything to do. So my dad baked cookies. So I'll have like three cookies. So that, that was difficult. And then I, after the new year, when all the holidays were over, I kind of got everything together and I was like, I need to be attacking this from all perspectives. So a lot of vegetables, I usually have like kind of a sauteed meal once a day, like with kale and onions and garlic and mushrooms and stuff. And then for breakfast, one of my favorite breakfasts that I've been having lately is two eggs with, um, like yogurt, and a banana and then you put like pumpkin seeds on the top and cinnamon and like dark chocolate and um then you put like this nut butter on the top it's not peanut butter it's like a mix of almond cashews pumpkin seeds brazil nuts all that stuff so that's kind of really been helping is making sure i'm getting those healthy fats in and like healthy carbohydrates i haven't been eating as much bread Lately, I've been trying to go mostly gluten-free. So I haven't been having, you know, that hasn't really been a large component of my diet. I'm still, I'm not totally against having gluten-free or gluten meals during my uh, cheat days and stuff, you know, like after I've trained all week or once a week, just so I keep myself sane. Um, But overall, it's been cutting out a lot of excess carbohydrates and just focusing on those nutrient dense foods like vegetables and those healthy fats and stuff. Awesome. Very cool. Now let's take a little break to talk about Naboso technology. We're always looking for 
that way to get an edge up on our competitor, but not necessarily by having to spend more time training. That's where Naboso technology can really help you. Naboso technology provides the first ever small nerve proprioceptive insoles and mats designed to stimulate the nervous system and enhance movement. So what does this mean? It means by using their insoles or training barefoot on their mats, you improve the stability of your system. You improve your proprioceptive system. So you're naturally creating a more resilient body and a stronger body just by using Naboso. I absolutely love training with their products because I know it's a huge impact in how my strength, stability, and control improves just by incorporating it into my workouts. I highly encourage you to go check out Naboso and see what you may be able to do to step up your game. You can find more out at nabosotechnology.com. How is that spelled? N-A-B-O-S-O-technology.com. And if you use code HIGHLYFUNCTIONAL, you can save 10% at checkout. You can also find Naboso Technology along with all of my partners at getyourfixpt.com slash partners. And now let's get back to our conversation. I want to go back a little bit to like your frustration with doctors. Cause I think that's a very common issue that, and I think it can kind of go two ways. Either we like, we don't like what the doctor's telling us because they're telling us to like rest and shut it down and we want to keep training. So we just look for that perfect answer. But I think a lot of times what happens is what you've dealt with and what I've dealt with in the past myself, which is like, you're getting told these things that either aren't correct or that like, you just need to rest. You're fine. Like nothing's wrong with you or type of responses. And it can be frustrating to find someone who can actually like tell you what's going on and give you an accurate answer. Yeah. It's, that was a very, I think that was a very frustrating journey. And like I was saying, that was the part of it. I think that was the hardest out of this whole thing is you go into your next doctor's appointment and, you know, you hope that that is the, the day when you get your answer or you finally figure out, or you get started in the right direction. And so it was like building up this hope and like in between every doctor's appointment and then leaving with like no answers. So it was just this, this back and forth, just this yo-yo effect. And it was probably the most frustrating thing I've ever gone through in my life. Um, and that was just, it was hard to accept or just not accept, but just wonder like, well, if these surgeons, if these doctors can't figure out what's going on with me, like, am I just doomed to never run again? Like, is it just going to be chronic pain every time I try to run more than a mile? So that's like the thoughts that were going through my head. It was just wondering if like, if these professional people can't figure out what is going on, then what is going on? Like, is nobody just going to know? Is it just this weird thing where, you know, like, oh, I just have chronic pain, so I can't run. And at some points, like, I felt like I was making stuff up almost or being over dramatic because there'd be days where I had to cut my workout short because it hurt, but there was no answer for why it hurt. So, and there would be days where like, it would hurt at work and I'd be, you know, I tell my coworkers like, oh, like I'm in pain, like it, it really hurts. But so I just felt almost like it was some sort of 
psychosocial, like, I don't know, like some sort of mental thing where it was just me that was making it all up. And so that kind of freaked me out as I thought that I was making excuses subconsciously for myself for why I couldn't run. But then when I decided to go get a second referral and I, I, I got, um, I got pretty aggressive with trying to figure out what the issue was. Probably I'd say in October, I got, I just got so sick of waiting for responses and waiting and just, you know, not getting answers, doctor appointment after doctor appointment. And I was like, you know what? I don't care how much this ultimately costs or what I have to do to get it figured out. I am going to get it figured out. So that's when I scheduled a second referral with a different clinic, um, with Billings Clinic here, and they've been fantastic. They, I got to see Dr. Piazza, um, and he's fairly new, so he did a great job. We got an MRI and an ultrasound scheduled to try to see more of what was going on, and he had all of my previous papers and stuff from the other doctors that I saw. He, got, he was able to get those sent over because um, I had gotten like two MRIs previously. And so he read that and he saw that there was inflammation in there. So we got two more things done to see what was going on. And then the next appointment that I went in to see him at the end, like towards the end of November, he was like, yeah, I see that, you know, this is kind of what's going on. And I do believe that there's like an extra bone in here that's kind of broken off. You can kind of see that it's like pointed, but I can definitely see inflammation in your tendons, like in all of that running up and down your calf. Um, so I think definitely we should go in and do surgery. So we got that scheduled and that's, that's kind of where we're at. So it's been, it has been very frustrating. And I do think, you know, my advice for people listening that have dealt with injury is doctors aren't always right the first time. Like they deal with a lot of patients and a lot of the times, you know, they are right. And I'm not saying necessarily that they were bad doctors because I have heard a lot of people with that clinic that I saw before I saw this one that I got surgery with. Um, I saw, I, I've heard a lot of good things come out of that, but I just think that a lot of the times it's down to their own biased opinions and especially with athletes and stuff. Um, I don't, I don't think that they were as familiar with athletes. I think a lot of the people, I think a lot of the doctors in that clinic worked with elders and stuff that just had injury from living their everyday lives. It wasn't necessarily from strain from like high impact sports and stuff. So I think it was just down to their personal experiences as doctors. And so you just shouldn't really give up as far as trying to figure out what's wrong. Like if you know something's wrong, then it's probably, probably something going on. So just try to figure it out and be aggressive in your search, be patient, but be like very, uh, assertive in what you want to get figured out. That's such an important element is being assertive and being, I like to use the word advocate is just being your own advocate. Like so many doctors. And I think it does come down. Like, like you said, there is the bias and there is the fact that a lot of doctors don't deal with athletes. And so they just see something. It's like, Oh, it's just an ankle sprain. Like you just need to go to therapy and do this. Or, you know, it's just something minor. Um, which like, thinking back from my old injuries, when I was given some bad answers, it's like, if I was a just normal person walking through this world, yeah, I would have been perfectly fine, but I was active. I was trying to return to stuff and it wasn't working. 
And being that advocate for yourself, I think is very important because we live in our bodies every day. We know what it feels like. We know what it felt like before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we know that this is not normal. <laughs> yeah. Like it was, you know, a couple great seasons. It was awesome. 2018, 2019, there wasn't any pain in that ankle. And then all of a sudden I had issues and I was just like, Whoa. Um, and I have talked about overtraining. I did overtrain, um, a lot and I was just constantly exhausted in my 2018, 2019 seasons. So, you know, that's part of what I was thinking is like, well, maybe I just am super burned out after just two years, but I knew in the back of my mind that that wasn't what it was. Um, but overall, yeah, it was just super strange that you went from feeling great and then something's wrong, but you can't figure out what's wrong. And it's just, it was, it was infuriating, but yeah. You mentioned going through pretty much every emotion under the sun. And I totally understand that. What was your, and you probably had multiple ways of dealing with that, but how did you sort through all that process, all of that deal with all of that? So you know, when you're, when you're having your good days and you're, you feel like you're figuring something out or you have a day where it feels great. Like your ankle is having a good day, maybe where the bone that broke off is in place. Like it's not rattling around in there. Then that's awesome. Like I felt awesome. I felt like I was moving in a really good direction. And every time that I would see a doctor and we would try something else out, I was like, Oh, maybe this is the answer. And I would be positive. I'd have like that surge of like relief, like, Oh, maybe this is finally what's going on and what's the answer. Um, but then when I have those lows, that was, that was pretty difficult to deal with. Um, and it kind of goes back to what I was mentioning about that good support team where you just have people that take care of you and encourage you to go to the gym, you know, even when you're having like your really bad day, like, Oh, just get something and like, just do upper body or just rest. Um, and so I, you know, I've spent my fair share of days kind of moping and maybe sitting around more than I should have, but I kind of talked myself out of it every time and was able to be like, you know, we're going to get this figured out. It's okay. There's not, there wasn't really any other option than to talk positively about like to myself in the end as, you know, as negative as you want to feel sometimes, because it's, it can be really easy to feel negative and be like, oh, you know, we're going to get this figured out and just kind of walk around being like, woe is me and stuff. But at the end of the day, I think it's really important to have that positive perspective. It's important to not give up on yourself because if you just, you know, if you just sit around and you just don't figure anything out or you just don't at least try, then that's giving up on your dreams. You know, like I want to be a professional obstacle course racer. So I'm not going to just sit down and just be like, oh, well, they can't figure out what's going on. I guess I'll just stop running. You know, that's, that would have just totally like, and that's the thing that I was reading about in my book. Um, I'm reading this book called Rebound right now that I got for Christmas because my parents knew I was going through all of this. And um, it's talking about how athletes lose their identity as a person, like a lot of athletes do when they go through an injury and because, you know, you're on the sidelines, you're not racing, you're watching everybody else do all of this cool stuff that you can't do. And it's just that constant reminder of like, Oh, I can't do that. I used to be able to do that. So who am I? Like, I, you know, all my Instagram posts were about 
running. And that's all I talked about with people was like obstacle course racing where my next race was. And, you know, in my family, like, Oh, I'm going to go work out. This is my workout today. This is what I think my training plan is going to look like. That's, that's all. That's one of the main things that I talk about with my family. So when I kind of got sidelined, it was like, well, what do I talk about now? Like, what do I do now? Now it's just about how much pain I'm in or like how I can't work out, you know, it's just the total 180. And it was really hard to come face to face with kind of not feeling like myself for a while. And I, you know, I still, honestly, I still don't 100% feel like myself because I'm still not back to running. I absolutely love running. So that's been one of the most challenging aspects is kind of losing my identity within this is like not feeling like myself and, you know, not feeling like Lily, like grounded almost. So I think that's been one of the biggest emotions to deal with is kind of just feeling lost almost some days. Um, not necessarily like depressed. I wouldn't say I definitely have had some days where I felt sad, but lost is kind of like how I would put it. And that's just been kind of pushing through it and, accepting that I'm going to be in a better place in the end. Awesome. I love that you talk about the identity piece because it's such a forgotten aspect when it comes to athletes and injury that we build up so even though it's like, we do have our job, we have, you know, these other roles, but so much of what we put our invest our time and energy into is our training and our competition. And it does become our identity And we do have a shift that happens when those injuries happen for sure. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, you know, like you have family and everything and they're obviously, you know, it's not like I just felt like an empty shell. I wouldn't say it was that extreme because I still have my family. I still had have hobbies and stuff outside of the sport, but it was, it was definitely a huge chunk that I feel like got taken away from me temporarily. So I know I'll get it back, but it 2020 was a difficult year. Just like, for everybody else in their own ways, but it was, yeah, it mentally, it was really big for me. How are you doing and what has the process been like for overcoming like fear of re-injury as you're getting back into activity, especially getting back onto the trails and those things that you, that flared you up before and that actually injured you before? I think, well, that's one thing that I thought about is how am I going to take running, you know, I haven't gotten to that point yet where I've been able to consistently run. So that's probably another hurdle that I'm going to have to jump over when I get there, when I do start running again. But I think it's just going to be kind of, you can't really forget to continue to do that accessory work when you do get back to running, like, oh, I'm 100% again, or I'm healed. So I'm just not going to do any more physical therapy or band exercises or like balance exercises or anything like that. That's a really big aspect that I pushed, I put on the back burner when I was feeling healthy, I was like, Oh, I'm, you know, I can run. Like, I don't need to do any of this, this excess work and stuff. And that's one of the biggest things that I realized this last, this last year or so is there's a reason why the professionals have days where they just do yoga or they just have recovery hikes, or they do have days where they just do physical therapy and balance exercises. It doesn't have to be 110% every single workout every day, like pushing it. Cause that actually I've realized pushes you backwards. So it's definitely been a huge learning curve, realizing that that accessory work isn't going to go away. 
and it it should it should have been there at like before injury but it's definitely not going to go away post surgery um so i think just having faith in the process you know that's just all all that it is is just having faith in what you're doing and really believing in yourself which is cliche you know i keep I've, i think i've said a couple times in here so far like oh be positive have faith in yourself believe but that's really what it comes down to. I mean, you can't wake up every day and just know exactly what's going to happen. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Nobody knows how your body's going to react to one thing or the other. So it's just about experimenting and, you know, maybe trying to push a little bit more every day and listening to your body. Like if it starts to hurt, you know, you might've, you might've planned on going out for a five mile run one day, but if you just, if you got done with surgery, like four months ago, maybe you only get like two miles in. And that's, that's okay. Like you can't get frustrated every time you don't go out and have a workout exactly as it was planned. You're going to have setbacks. You know, you're not a robot, you're not a machine. And that's one of the things that I forget is like, oh, this is the training plan that my coach gave me. So this is what I have to get done. And I just get that ingrained into my mind that that's absolutely what has to happen. And if that doesn't happen, then I'm like a failure, you know, like that's, it's just those little things. So that's another, it just comes down again to that that mental aspect is like feeling reassured, like, Oh, I might not have done five miles, but I've done two miles and that's better than absolutely nothing. And it was two miles without pain, you know? So I think that's the biggest thing is just understanding that you can't control every single aspect of it and that it's going to be a process, but you have to just have faith you pointed out two big things, two big, I want to say errors that I find in people's training. And I think a lot of it comes down to the prevalence of social media these days that we see the elites, the pros, the recreational athlete posting all of these, just like the super cool, the fun stuff, the part of workouts, Mm -hmm. but we don't see the accessory work very often. We don't, unless it's like a coach, (laughs) right? Exactly. See, the uh, talking about being adaptable with your training. That's like, if you're not feeling it, let's back it down because there's a lot of factors that play into how your body feels each and every day. Mm-hmm. And I, and there's such important aspects to talk about. And I'm glad you mentioned them and I'm glad you've realized them for yourself that we need to be incorporating those things and, and taking a lot of different things into account. Yeah, it's, it's definitely been a huge learning curve, especially as like a young athlete did that, that, excuse me, that did not get that, um, high school, like track coach background. Like I was homeschooled throughout my, um, throughout my high school years. So I wasn't able to get involved in traditional high school sports and compete in cross country. I didn't really get seriously into running, um, until I got into this sport, which was, uh, 2018 is when I got really serious about it. So I haven't had that many years of learning the ins and outs of the science of of running and taking care of my body as far as the sport for very long. Um, so that has definitely been huge. And I think that, um, we need to just realize that it's not going to be perfect every day. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, if someone wants to follow you, wants to just talk to you because they're dealing with an injury and are frustrated and can relate to your story. How can people find you? 
So I'm on Instagram at Lily Elkin underscore Spartan OCR. And that's L-I-L-L-I-E-E-L-K-I-N. That's all like one word smushed together. And then underscore S-P-A-R-T-N-O-C-R. Awesome. Well, Lily, thank you so much for your time today. Really appreciate you hopping on and talking with me. Thank you so much for having me, Brian. I really appreciate it. I really hope you enjoyed this week's conversation on Highly Functional. Before I go, I want to talk to you about my rope climb training program. In order to climb a rope efficiently and effectively, you need both strength and proper technique. If you have one without the other, it's going to be a lot more difficult to climb. You're going to use a lot more energy and you have more chance of failing. So if you want to be more efficient with your rope climbs in order to have more chance of success at your next race, pick up my rope climb training program. You can check it out at getyourfixpt.com courses along with all my other online programs. Thanks again for tuning in today. And now it's time to go out and be highly functional.